Hello, I'm Caroline Carey. I'm a soul worker and soul doula. I have a deep understanding of the soul's journey from cradle to grave, and I've traveled between the veils of the spirit realms. I've studied the path it evokes, and I've come to understand why the majority of today's problems are rooted in the loss of spirituality. So my work, which is Middle Earth Medicine Ways, empowers people to find what is lost and to reclaim their own circle of strength by embodying their soul. And I do this by holding a space for healing and soul retrieval with shamanic skills, trance and conscious dance. I love creative writing and poetry. Please join me in listening to these wonderful teachers and soul workers, the facilitators and the guides of spiritual and shamanic work. They all have something very important to share and are a great gift to our communities. I've learned a lot from listening to them. I invite you to also. I met Francine some years ago. She attended a workshop I was offering in the Netherlands. And I wanted to hear from her about her music, where it began, the journey she's had with it, and how many people that she has touched along the way. She's a very talented musician. And when I listen to her play, I can really hear the soul within the music, her soul and the music's soul. It's like they really dance together. I hope you'll enjoy this podcast. Let me know what you think. Francine, it's lovely to see you. And I want to know what is your life about at the moment, today? Today I live in a very old French farm, uh, all by myself in the mountainside. And uh, it's really bad country. And we used to have this farm since I was, I think, 15. And I always fell in love. I was in love with the house. And um, But I never even imagined that I could afford to live here. And then, uh, I think probably almost 10 years ago, I was staying here uh, by myself. And it was a hot August night, so I had all the doors open to sleep. And then I heard an owl. And there was this tiny voice in my head telling me, Francine, you belong here. So I decided to follow that little voice. And because I was living in Amsterdam. And I just changed my whole life and I'm, I'm here. Just from that little owl calling in the night and yeah. responding to it. Yeah, there was an owl on my on my land that gave me that message. And then that, that was very funny. The person said, no, he was not on your land. You were on his land. So what excites you about life these days? Trying to get every time more to my source of self. I called this place also La Fontanita which is in Spanish Little Fountain. And I think it's a nice image that we all have this little fountain inside of us. So I'm trying to nourish that and live according to that. So beautiful. And you're a musician. 
Um, yes, I th I think that probably saved me all along. Music can reach you in a non-mind way in an instant. You know, because I'm not, in, I did conservatories and whatever, but I'm not interested at all in showing off everything I can do or playing in, uh, complicated stuff. What I like now and what I'm trying to master is to touch people with my music. And that is, uh, is going quite well and it's i think it's something very well valuable i can give other people you know and I, like now i'm i'm uh, rehearsing with a new guitar player um to play jazz again i used to play jazz long time ago and when we're rehearsing he gets goosebumps all the time that's what i want <laughs> uh, so your music is really coming from the soul from the heart and soul yeah. of who you are yeah. yeah that's the only thing that interests me and otherwise i'm not i hardly go to concerts also because of that you know because i'm i don't know maybe it's age but all those people showing how how much many tricks they can do it's i'm not doesn't attract me let let me say it politely okay. and what if you were touching people in that audience in the way that you have spoken about just now no this is good i love that and i i, I know i can that there are so many examples once i i uh uh i called up a, a very famous haitian band in um uh, miami they 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 are famous in their world like the beatles were in our world so imagine that you just call them up and say, "You, I want to play with you. They really thought I was completely nuts. But I said, I can. I might be able to organize a tour in Europe. That was well before COVID. And uh, so, long story short, I came to play with them. There are also, if you want to see my music, just go on YouTube. There are lots of... We'll put your links and, on this, yeah. Yeah. And there was, but the most touching part was that I was playing there and there were all elderly couples dancing the compa, you know, the rhythm that I love so much. And there was one couple that came up to me and they said, Francine, we, we had a son who played the saxophone and he died in a car accident. And since that moment, we hated all wind instruments. Okay. But now that we've heard you, it's okay again. It's so beautiful. That's really touching. Yeah. Bless them. So where do you play your music now? Well, I still go back to the... I try to go back to the Caribbean once a year. Because um, I think my soul story was... Um, complicated one because i was i was born in a in a white doctor's family in amsterdam you know so not very rich but very well to do and we had two my my parents had mostly classical music at home but we had two records one of louis armstrong and another one from uh, suriname with music from suriname and that 
touched me immediately. So, and it was very, very weird because it wasn't at all the, the surrounding I was in. And there was also, um, my father was a cardiologist, so it was quite hectic and people dying all the time, you know, really a strange place to, to live as a, as a child. But there was this guy who came in regularly. And I think I saw him the first time I was three years old and I was so smitten with this guy. Mm -hmm. And so every time he came to, to my parent, my father's, um, cabinet, I would open the door for him and everything. And, um, so I, then for some time he didn't come anymore. So I asked my father, what happened? He said, Oh, he died. You know, like, for him, it was such a matter of fact thing. But I'm telling you this story because he was, a, I found out later, he was a very famous musician. So I had always, always this very strong attraction to musicians and painters. I'm also painting now, you know, so it's so beautiful how your soul is just telling you, well, you can shove it with all those intellectual stuff that's not for you you are going to be you know the music is in me and the the, the, the art is inside of me that, that's yeah i i really like that and you made a, a a link there between this boy who died in a car accident and his saxophone and the parents and how you touched them and there's there's a direct link isn't there between you growing up as a little child and people dying around your home yeah and the music so are there any other stories that you can link in with that what clearly is your sole purpose hey i i don't think it's only uh about dying but the so i touched briefly on the caribbean uh, the the reason why my journey was uh complicated when i was younger is i'm i believe in in um uh, to be born again, okay, you know, and um, I think I I must have had lots of lives in the in the Caribbean because I also play. I mean, they're all the they have all their black racism against white people there too. But if you put me to play and you don't see me, they don't know that I am European. And the funny part is that once I worked for a, a big Caribbean festival in Amsterdam as a producer, so in came a, a band with uh, people uh, who practiced voodoo from, from Asia. And the voodoo madame said, oh, but you look like my neighbor. And in came a, a band of old guys from Jamaica. And they said, oh, but you must have a brother that you can be so free with us. And, you know, everyone tried to find a, an explanation why they felt so at home with me and I with them, of course. Yeah. And I think that that's it, you know, and I'm, when I'm there, the, the, and I think it's because spirituality is much more part of daily life. You know, here in, here in Europe, we put art in a separate uh, container, separate corner. We put spirituality in a separate corner. And that's not my thing either. It's just, uh, it's all together. Yes. 
So this is part of the soul's journey, isn't it? To be all-encompassing, yeah. to bring the creativity through the music, the dance, the everything. Also in in the daily life, I mean, this this is a huge uh, centuries-old uh, stone farmhouse. Well, I can tell you that the first years were really tough. <laughs> but you just have to be inventive all the time. You know, otherwise you can shove it. So... And but it's nice because it. Um, I remember when I was very young, I had a, an apartment in Amsterdam uh, for a, a short time, and I didn't have any money. So uh, I had an old amplifier, and I put the chessboard on it, and that was my my uh, small table. And I had a mirror, but I didn't have anything to to put it on. So I just put a rope on it and I hang the mirror by the rope on the, you know, and then a friend said, Francine, your, your apartment is already your art, you know? So it's, it's, and I think it has to do with instinct. I think, uh, lots of people have lost their instinct, which is also directly connection to your soul. Yes. And the, the authority is always somewhere else and not themselves. And you were clearly so, able to improvise, is, you know, that imp making yeah. furniture, creating, that's real improvisation, isn't it? Which is so linked yeah. to the spiritual path. Mm. But, but th so, so that's the thing I, I, I find rather sad that in our modern societies, mm. people don't have that ability anymore. No. no, just go to the shops, buy what you need, stick it in the house. Yeah. Don't be and if it's broken, you just throw it away. It's yeah. funny because my father, there are lots of cellars here, and my father kept all kind of stuff in those cellars. So now, if something is broken, yeah. I just take a walk in the cellar. And quite often, I find exactly the, ah, but I could use that, you know, and then I yeah. fix it and it works. Again. Yeah. Great message. Great message for our times, hey? Yeah. So who taught you to play music? Well, I think I was five when I went to my first music teacher. And that was really nice because at home it was really too hectic. And uh, it wasn't, uh, I also didn't feel very safe or, or quiet, you know, they're peaceful there. So this was a heaven on earth, you know, for an hour a week I was with this elderly lady who wrote down exactly what I had to do and put lines on it and everything was in very tiny portions and, you know, and I got all her attention. It was delicious. Oh, that sounds great. What a lovely teacher to have. Why do you say you didn't feel safe? Well, it was a very complicated uh, family situation. So we didn't have a, a happy family life. I, I can't remember that we once were sitting together in the living room at the, in the evening enjoying, you know, everyone was in, in his own room and my mother was very, way too nervous. So it's a pity she never, she was also a doctor, but she never thought, hey, I could try to take care of myself or cure myself, you know, so... And my father fled in his work because the marriage wasn't happy. And uh, then after that, I also had a 
a lot of really deep traumas happening, like uh, an uncle with an incest story, and you know, so it, it. I really had a lot to to work through, and I'm so happy now because I am the living proof, like you, I suppose, that you can work through all this shit. And also things that you think it, it will never, you will never be able to get rid of it. One day it's gone. Absolutely, yes. So your music really was your saving grace in that yeah. sense. It was your Definitely. solid place, your place of safety. Yeah, and, and it so kept also my, my sanity. Okay, you know, yeah. I, I always. So I think that's why for me now it's. Of course, I'm lonely sometimes, but most of the time I'm I'm too busy with all the things I I, I want to do and create. But I think that the, the nice part now is that I can live in my bubble here, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I I can be happy with my own company. So that's yeah, that's important, isn't it? Let's go back a little bit to when you when you started to move out into the world with your music and you started to share it. What was that like? How did you move from the learning process to then, okay, this is part of my gift. This is my talent. This is what I've learned. And now I'm putting in front of audiences. What was that particular journey like? Well, it started very early. I was, I was not really a prodigy, but I, I was quite good with the classical f flute because I, I when I was nine I started playing the, the um, flute traversière you know the the flute that you play sideways uh, my my father did a lot of um, research so there were always uh, doctors coming in from other parts of the world lots of American people also so then my mother would cook a, a beautiful dinner and then after dinner with my belly full, Francine had to play. Horrible. I don't know if you know, but you, you, it's very difficult to play when you've just eaten. <laughs> but anyhow, I did it. And when I was in high school, that was also very nice because I was never very athletic. It's also strange that when I was uh eight or nine i was fully grown i was menstruating you know so it was really uh so i i missed most of the the girly stuff in life you know because it, i just skipped all that so that that was also quite weird so in in high school uh once a year there was a competition between the the classes and most of it was sports so I wasn't very popular and I was never chosen. And But if Francine played the music competition, we would win. You know, so, so that, that helped me a, a lot. Cool. And uh, so I, I was playing classical music a lot. And then my brother said, yeah, that's all very nice. But if your papers are blown away with your music sheets are blown away by the wind... You, you don't play anything anymore. And I was like, mm, he is right. So I, I, so that's also one of the things that's very characteristic, I think, of me. I went to the uh, jazz conservatory to do something I wasn't good in. You know, most people pursue, pursue the things they're good in. 
and they try to make them better. But I always have this this um, ideal of um, Michelangelo, you know, the universal homo universalis. So I call myself a femina universalis. So that you don't just pay attention to the things you're good in, but you try to develop the things that you're not good in. You know, because there also are our shadow sides. So it was a horrible thing in the conservatory. It, it was a, it was really a, a disaster for seven years in, in a, lots of ways, not 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 just musically. And uh, I had a lot of uh, uh, teachers who despaired openly that I would ever learn. But I knew somehow I knew no, it's there. I just have to keep on going against all odds. And now I'm I'm free as a bird, you know. I, I even like um, I played sometimes in South Africa, and then I I went to jam sessions uh, where the guys from the townships come. So you have the, those young black guys coming there, and then I am there, and you see them thinking, "What is this fat white old woman doing there?" <laughs> you know, and then. But when we start playing, it's good. Oh, you must be a real gem in those places. I bet they absolutely love you. Yeah, and I love them, you know, because yeah. it's, it's um, well, for, for me, it's, it's great. What, what would you say is the, the, the most challenging experience you've had that you've had to get over in order to bring your music to the world? Oh, I was so nervous. And I was, I remember... Um, so on this high school, the, the, what's the word? The director, he, he, he was, uh, going, uh, on his pe pension. You said, you said it in, yes. in English. So yeah. he, he, he retired, he retired. Yes. And so he had a farewell, uh, happening and he asked me to play, which was a big honor, of course. And I had a, a, a piece that I was going to play, which was, very uh, impressionistic, you know, like Satie or Debussy, but but it was a, a Dutch uh, composer. <laughs> and I remember I was playing there, but I was so nervous that the whole flute was going. <laughs> but every everybody thought it was part of the music. So so uh, after that moment, I, I really thought, okay, there's nothing worse than 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 this, you know. So it, it so. I think the um, the thing I have to I had to overcome most, and I'm still always alert on it, is fear, because my my mother, her whole life was consumed by fear. She never did what she wanted. So in that sense, she was really my anti-hero. You know that you see that that your life is just going to to waste because you don't dare to attack your fears so when i was 17 i was back in amsterdam all by myself i didn't know anyone anymore because we left town some years earlier and i developed two fears one was for dogs and the other was uh, walking at night in the streets so i just forced myself to go to the parks and the forest with all the hundreds of dogs and i forced myself to walk uh, a couple of nights through the town 
and it's horrible you know it's it's i mean i, I can tell it now like blah, blah 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 so nice i did it no that's really tough stuff so i think that's what i did i just challenged myself every time so you acknowledged your fears and you it's a bit like yeah. that saying the saying isn't it um feel the fear but do it anyway yeah that's it yeah so you and also here because this place was almost my mother almost sold it for next to nothing because there were also horrible things that had happened here to her and and then I, I so I came here after it was empty for five years. It was it was so sad and I started crying and I left. But the next year I did come back. And I thought, no, the, the, I'm not going to let our family heritage be destroyed by bad things that happened. But the first times I was here, I was so scared. Really, you know, I I had a lot of uh, wooden shutters by that time. Now they're all gone because they were rotten. But every time I, I went to sleep at night, I closed all the shutters. So I, I felt myself like the princess who, who lifts the bridge of the castle, you know, when you go to sleep. Uh, so it, it's, yeah. So a lot of fear, a lot to move through, a lot to get over in yourself and to just you know, that's the message, isn't it? To to just to just do what you need Keep to going. do and yeah. yeah, and not stop and not not sit back, um, not hold back because of fear. Yeah, and you've learned Yeah, because we all know we all know what the right solution is and yeah. what the right path is. Yes. But we we're we're so good in, in inventing millions of reasons not to do it of course of course we do so from there from getting over your fears from moving through this exploration of bringing your music to the world um what what happened then how did you get in front of those bigger audiences how was your music shared with others well i um when I graduated from the conservatory in 89 already, I did the jazz studies and also classical as a by, um, as a side uh, studies, because there, of course, there wasn't a jazz flutist who could teach me that there were saxophone players or piano players, you know, so, so I studied, uh, back for for years and octatonic games uh, scales and whatever and then I graduated and there was nothing it was really like the big black hole Boof! and nobody was waiting for me and the 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 uh, what's the, the social the welfare tried to to force me to uh, start a company that had to be profitable in six months. I said that will never work, you know, with music. And and then an, an, an Italian guy I knew. Oh no, there's a, there's a part I didn't tell you. So I never planned to become a musician. It was just something that was part of me. But and, and I was playing, but I never thought I I will become a musician. But when we moved to this other town from Amsterdam uh, when I was fifteen. I came to another high school, the connection didn't work, etc. So I dropped out of school, I ran away from home, and I went to live. I was 
15, 16 with a 35-year-old violent alcoholic. And um, so I, I really picked my my, <laughs> my situation, yep. you can yep. say. But he was also a, a sound technician and really, up till now, I think probably the best I've ever met. Wow. He oh, even uh, constructed a, um, a room with five walls, you know, to be acoustically perfect and whatever. So he said, I'm going to record your flute. So that's what he did in this room. And then uh, he sent it to a friend who was a professional guitar player. And the guy was looking for a flute player. And so he made me audition with this guy. But in the middle of a very uh, busy, crowded uh, cafe. So I was really very embarrassed to, to play there. And they had sent me the, the, the sheet music, but it didn't make any logic for me but then the guy he didn't even play the guitar but he was just playing on his hands the rhythm of a venezuelan waltz and poo, there i went so there my uh caribbean ancestors were all like yeah girl there you go <laughs> so i played my first gig with him in in nijmegen in this other town and then I, I moved back to Amsterdam and I went to night school to try and get my, my diploma. And there I saw a small, uh, note saying that someone was giving classes in rhythm, rhythm, classical Latin American rhythm. So I thought I'll just call a guy and see if we, if he wants to play. So that's where it all hit off. And then because I didn't have my, no, and the, the last, um, bit of it is that he introduced me to a bunch of very well-known Indonesian musicians in Holland who wanted to enter the conservatory in the Hilversum that was the television town and I thought well what the heck just to have fun I, I will do the exam too you know so we three of us did the exams and we played in each other's uh, admission exams and I was the only one who was admitted Oh. And because my in my family for generations everybody went to university always. And I couldn't go there because I didn't have the diploma, but I could go to the conservatory. Uh, fate, eh? So it's just life, but but the most part, funny part is that I, I had um uh for for the the let's let's call it the side flute. Uh, my my teacher uh, she was very wise also because I never studied, you know, but she, she just give me, gave me uh, small songs that I could play with the lady who came after me. And I wanted to play with her. So I just checked it once a week, the songs we were going to play. And so, but then I, I moved to this other town and I didn't see her for years. So when I was admitted to the conservatory, I went to see her and I was very proud. Yes, I'm admitted to the conservatory. And she said, uh, I already knew that long time ago. <laughs> and I said, but why didn't you tell me ever to, to start studying then? And she said, are you crazy? If I would have told you to study, you would have dropped the food. Mm. 
very, very wise. Oh, wow. And how did you interpret that yourself? What's the meaning? She was completely right. Yeah. She was right. It's it's not about being lazy or something. But I, you know, here in France, I now have the the luck to uh, teach also in music schools, mostly piano. And the parents are also, yeah, but I have to discipline my kid and he has to study. And I say, hmm, I don't think so. You really have to like it to keep on doing it. And of course, you. I, I, I try to invent all kind of stuff for them that after their homework, maybe they can play a little, you know. So I try to help them to make it part of their daily life. It's not that I say that you don't need to study, of course. You know, but for me, at that time, it was my lifeline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it, So it, what would have happened if I would have dropped that, you know? Yeah. Maybe I would have dropped that. It's interesting because I, I, I'm, my, my son's a musician. He, he's a very talented guitar, singer-songwriter. Um, and he made friends with the guitar, from what I can see. I didn't have to insist that he practiced or anything like that. Yeah, it was his companion and it was his, you know, it was a very deep and always has been a deep connection to his soul through many of his own struggles and difficulties. And if you turn it into a, you know, a, an education career or whatever, that, that, yeah, that can be taken away, can't it? Because then it's got a whole different meaning to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like you talked about your sanctuary, you know, it being your sanctuary very early on in life. Yeah. So that's important, isn't it, to develop that? And I suppose that's the case for anybody with, with artistic talents. Or and, and when I say artistic, I'm talking about anything, really, because we're, we're creative beings. Mine was my dance, you know, and, and that's me being creative through my body in that sense. So whatever it is we're doing, it's like let it be your sanctuary rather than your yeah. education career as such, you know, Um that's a, that's a really beautiful tale. So you play the flute. Do you play any other instruments? I sing. You sing. And it's also, well, you will, I have such a lot of stories. So my father didn't want to have any direct emotions anymore in life. So because of the war and I, he saw people flowing through the air in pieces and whatever. So he decided it's done. I'm not, you know, even if we don't realize it, I think our generation has still so much uh, charge of what happened in the war. You know, because our parents came out of that. Yeah. So he... Uh, I, so we had a lot of classical music at home, but not one vocal uh, piece of work. Nothing. Opera was forbidden. It was not only forbidden, it didn't exist. Wow. And the color purple also was forbidden. Non, completely taboo. So we, we didn't have that in the house. But I found a... a um, agenda from my mother from 64 when I was born and on the page it's very cute so because she was also a doctor she wrote down my weight and my height and whatever 
but also that the nurses were pleasantly surprised by my little soprano voice. Oh, there you go. You were born with it. And I, I, I am. I, I have a, a rid ridiculous lyrical voice. You know that just a couple of years ago, a friend of mine was organizing a, a music show, and she said, you know, Latin music or whatever, and jazz, and she said, maybe we can do some lyrical thing. And I said, yeah, why not? You know, so I just, and I blew everybody away. I was like, what's happening here, you know? So it's, I am a singer. That, that is really the, the, the essence. You know, but because I, so it's, I, I think life is so great and beautiful that I was born in a very uh, cultivated family, but with a complete taboo on singing. That is incredible. Wow. Yeah, absolutely incredible. And here you are singing to the world, sharing yeah. your beautiful voice, your flute playing. And encouraging others, hey? Yes. It's so lovely to hear your story. What would you say to the creatives and artists or anybody today um, embarking on, on a path of this, this kind? You know, maybe, maybe musicians, singers, songwriters. Well, I think it, it goes for, for everything. You know, I'm... I'm uh... We meet again because we have Liz as a connection. So we talk about coaching. Yeah. So I, I do, I do receive people here also for retreats and sometimes I do coaching online. So, but that, that, that's just to tell you that I think it's in every, so that's my second profession, but it's the same passion, the same cool. energy. Cool. But the thing is, we want sometime or quite often we want it to become some something it isn't it isn't practical it isn't going to make us rich it isn't uh going to make our life you know uh, the moment we have a goal that's outside you know that that we put the carrot in front of our nose yeah I, last year i had three retreats here so if I would have put the carrot before my nose, I want at least three retreats, no ten. Then I would be frustrated and miserable because this year I haven't had one yet. And as a musician, uh, 30 years ago, I was making good money. You know, everything went really well. And now I, I play, but I, I make hardly any money. So does that make me... A lesser musician? No, I don't think so. It's just that that the that the um, uh, in marketing they call it the money moment. The money moment is just out of most of the music, and the money moment is also in coaching very rare. <laughs> you know, or, or it's it's difficult to find. So the only people who are, in my opinion, making money on coaching are the ones who are trying to show us how to sell ourselves and get more clients and whatever. Yeah, I get it. You know, so, so what I tell people, uh, what I want to tell people is do it because it's something that belongs with you. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and 
of course it's it's very I, I had beautiful I had a very big tour in South Africa where I could make my own orchestra and of course I I have had beautiful concerts and but you can't count on it you know it's yeah, yeah. it comes and goes so if you try to it's the same thing as we we were talking about with disciplining children to play then you're you're killing it yeah and maybe with the, the music and the coaching and the selling part we need to do that but i mean i i just when i arrived here i worked in tourism now i have those tiny jobs at, at the music schools and of course, I'm I'm not making a lot of money, but I don't need a lot of money. Right, you live a simple life, eh? Yeah, yeah. So that's it. Because also, sometimes, especially younger people, uh, tell me, "Oh, that was also before I lived here. I I really traveled a lot with my music, uh, and always came back to Amsterdam." And then youngsters would tell me, "Oh, Francine, we love your life." We also want your, we also want it. And then I always um, uh, answered, which is very true, that if you can uh, stand it, that for at least 20 years, every month, you don't know how you're going to pay your rent. Because that's what happened to me. Then go ahead. And otherwise, get an, a nice job that, that your, your your needs are met and go and do whatever you want. You know, it's not for everyone. Sure. So it's, it takes a lot of trust, doesn't it? A lot of belief and trust and um, being able, be, being quite resourceful hey, and being able to move through those difficult times and to be able to look after yourself in that, hey? knowing that. Yeah, and, and take, so I, 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 I was a, a travel guide, I, I cleaned houses, I was a cook in restaurants, whatever, you know, just, it doesn't affect me. There's a difference between who I am and what I do. And of course, I, I want to reflect mostly in what I do, who I am. But if I'm cooking somewhere, I have people now in the guest house and uh, one of the, the two ladies, one of them comes from a village that I used to uh, visit when I was uh, selling flutes in the hole, in, in whatever. And I, there is a gas station there without um, people, you know, automatic gas station uh, in, at the side of her village. But there was, apparently it was a lady who, who owned the place and she put little, uh, she made little uh, baskets with plants really horrible but doesn't matter it was her thing you know or or uh, baskets with eggs that you could buy and put the money somewhere yeah. and that really made such an impression on me because if you can turn a gas station into a poetic place yes for you you can do it anywhere yeah that's so lovely absolutely yeah and it comes back to that improvising and creating we talked about earlier on isn't it that we have to find some way of engaging with life on life's terms not just on the way we think it ought to be yeah that's yeah. it so, exactly great fantastic so this has been a really lovely conversation fancy and i love <laughs> your words of wisdom and 
um, I'm going to get back onto YouTube and listen to some of your music and uh, you're going to share some links with us, aren't you? And I'll yes. below this and, and people can find you. Um, and, and, and yeah, and hopefully listen to your music and, and let us know what they think about your journey. So thank you so much. And uh, I really wish you well in your beautiful home and, uh, and the journey onwards with your music and your singing. Thank you very much, too. It's a privilege to share my story with you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening right to the end. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And remember, you can be in touch with myself or this speaker. My website is middleearthmedicine.com. We have a wonderful membership platform that you can join for just £5 a month. And we have lots of recordings and interesting information that we can share with you there, plus meeting online with regular groups. You can also find the details of our speaker in the box below with their links, their websites, and a little bit of information about them. Thank you for joining me and being part of this Middle Earth Medicine community. I hope you'll listen to our next show. Please follow, share, like, whatever you can do to help this community to grow. We really appreciate you. Thank you.